Hello. I'm Dave. And um, this is my first time preaching in this venue. This is my first time preaching as a 40-year-old. And I also see we've got some big, big wigs in the house here. Costa and Lorraine, if you don't know. Costa used to lead Vinyl SA, so no pressure, Dave. I asked him if he came as a heresy hunter, just to check him out. If anything starts to speak to Costa, he's here in the middle of the hour. Wow, um, amazing, right? Jeez. Um, did anyone hurt their wrists this week? I just felt like I had a picture of someone like you were leaning on your wrist and like you sprained it or you hurt it. Like, if that's you, I just want to pray for you before, we, before I preach. You know it's you, and if, if I get it wrong, it's fine, I'm just taking the risk. So you know what happens. No, this week, this week. Three weeks ago. I'll put, we can pray for it afterwards. So. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably just, I probably had too much, too much cheese on my toast last night. So it's totally fine. Wow, guys. Um, it's amazing to be in this venue. Uh, Let's give Dave a hand for stepping out in front. He comes to the meeting from the church, and he went with it, and he's done this many times before, and he's hit bullseye. Who knows? We'll find out you know, what uh, was different this time. But we encourage people to step out in faith in a loving environment, just like you did. Thank you. Drowning in encouragement. <laughs> I might tell you another story later, which is more embarrassing. Uh, Hebrews 4.12. Anyone other than Terry know what Hebrews 4.12 says? The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Amazing verse. And I was just struck by that verse this week. Just that there's something that happens when we preach the word that pierces our hearts. It says it pierces and it divides our soul and spirit. And I was just thinking, how many words do we hear every day, every week that pierce our ears, but how few words pierce our hearts? And I just, I, you know, no matter if you read the Bible every day, if you haven't picked up a Bible in years, or if you've never read the Bible, this is the only book. I think Bill Johnson says it's the only book that when you read it, the author himself appears. And uh, I just felt like as I preach today, some of us are just going to get like pierced by the word of God. Because there's something like we love the Spirit in this church. We love the Holy Spirit being poured out and taking rest and seeing people get healed. But we also love the word. And sometimes in the church, we like say like, if you've got to love the things in the Holy Spirit, like, let's just toss the word aside, or if we love the word, you've got to toss the spirit aside, but actually, it's actually both hands. And um, I just really feel like some of us, you know, encounter with God should never be divorced from His word, but it actually should be shaped by His word. You know, Jesus, it says, He came out of the water, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit came on Him like a dove. I mean, that is like an encounter with God. But then He went into the wilderness, so he was propelled by an encounter, but he was sustained by the word. When the enemy came to him, it wasn't his encounter that sustained him, but he said, this is what the word of God says. That's for free, it's not even in my notes. So. 
I just felt like, you know, and some of the guys were here earlier this morning just praying, and uh, I just felt like God was going to do something really beautiful in our hearts this morning, which is why I wanted to share that verse. And um, the Bible talks about, especially in the Old Testament, it talks about being consecrated, which is like a spiritual word for basically being set aside or set apart or dedicated. The Hebrew word is kadash, which talks about this preparation, this dedication. It's, it's like purity, often, word, often used in contrast to the word defilement. So the consecration is like being completely set aside, set apart, devoted to one thing. And I was just laughing because we're singing that song one thing. And I just feel like that's the that's the, what's on the heart of God this morning. He wants us to be people with one thing. And, and I really felt like many of us as I preach, you're going to feel, you may, may have never experienced this before, but you're going to feel like the weight of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are going to start feeling like you're just feeling an encounter with the presence of God as you hear him preach. Okay, and I really just pray, Holy Spirit, won't you just do a fresh consecration of our hearts? Well, you say, out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks to you. You say, above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the streams of life, Lord. So we pray, Lord, Jesus, when you walk through this room and pierce our hearts this morning, whether we feel close to you or feel like we're the furthest thing away from you that there is, Lord. Let you come and do that in Jesus' name. I'll try not to be long on the son of a preacher, so that means nothing. But if you do have a Bible, uh, 1 Samuel 3, if you've got your phone, 1 Samuel 3, you might be familiar with the story, and I just, I just, I just been like thinking on the story, and I've been reading it, and be dwelling on it, and I just felt like it was a... It, it's an amazing thing when you can read a story that happened thousands of years ago and God can like breathe freshly on it and bring some like new truths out that you've never seen before. Sometimes in church we call it revelation, where you see something you've never seen before. And my prayer is that some of us will see something and hear something we've never heard before. So it says, Now the young man or the young boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to go dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his usual place, or his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel, this young boy, was lying down in the temple, or the presence of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I do not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel rose. He went to Eli. Here I am, for you called me. He said, I do not call you. So lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Interesting. That he didn't know the Lord when he was hearing his words. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose. He went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. And he said to him, Go lie down. If he calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood 
call him as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. What a cool story. The story of this boy Samuel hearing the voice of God. And um, I was just thinking about Samuel. He's, he was a boy, so he's probably like, he's, yeah, he was probably still pre-teen, may have just been a teenager at this time, but we, we don't know how long it was since um, he went to the temple. But this is a story about the ears of Samuel being open to the voice of God. And as I was reading it, I was just thinking, it's crazy how there seems to be a war over the ears of this generation, this younger generation, in the world that we live in. I don't know about you guys, but it just seems like the millennial generation, or whatever you call it, it's a Gen Z millennials, I don't know what the next one's called. But um, it just seems like this younger generation that's coming up seems to have to fight so many more wars and so many more battles than we fought as 40-year-olds, I'll speak for myself. Um, and I was just thinking, like, what if the greatest wars are fought over the greatest treasures? What if the greatest wars are fought over the greatest treasures? What if it might be that the enemy is trying to seek to sow and reap confusion in the soul of this generation of the young people that is coming up? Because he knows and he's seen that there's a treasure in their heart. That maybe they might be the generation that are primed to see God do things that we would never have seen do in our own generation. I preach myself happy. And um, I was just thinking, you know, no other time, no other generation have there been more voices vying in more ways for our attention. Think back to before you had one of these. In the last, what, 10, 12, 15 years, like, there is a war for our attention. And someone said that life is the sum total of what we pay attention to. Or put another way, what you give your attention to is what you worship. And we're living in a culture where there's a war on our attention. And uh, there's a guy you might have heard of him, he's a journalist, a really amazing writer called Johanna Hari. And he wrote a book called Stolen Focus. And the subtitle is, Why You Can't Pay Attention. Anyone else feel like you're struggling to pay attention? You know that the very social media that was intended to bring us together and foster this amazing connection and like we'll be in touch with the people we didn't see in high school and we'll be able to communicate with people across the world, that very same social media has basically been used to steal our focus and our attention and to distract us from the person that's right in front of us who's dying for our attention. And he says in this book that college, that in a study, college students can only focus on one task for a maximum of 65 seconds. This is going to be a long 45 minute period. <laughs> a study of office workers in, a, in the US found they could only focus on an average for three minutes on any single task. So there is a war on our attention. And there's something about just this story of Samuel in the midst of hearing the voice of God that struck me, thinking like, wow, what if God is just seeking to capture our attention and capture our affection? It's nice that it runs, but often it's the very thing that captures your affection that captures your attention. 
when God touches your heart, it's like, I remember when I, when, when I started dating Jenna, it was like nothing else existed. Like I could just be, we didn't have, um, we didn't even have BBM yet on the phone. We didn't even have WhatsApp. It's like, whoa. We were on Snapchat. Not like voice, but like you could basically, you could, you could WhatsApp over Skype. And I remember just like hours, hours, hours. I was like, I bet he's some work done. But I was like, this person has just like entered my world. It's just like blown up my heart. And I'm like, I can't pay attention to anything else. And um, I just feel like there's something about God saying, what you pay attention to is what you worship. And what you worship is what he's longing for. And he's longing for our affection again. And that came through so powerfully in our time of worship when we sing about that one thing. And you know, it doesn't actually matter if, you, if, you, if you've never even been in a church before. If you're like, what are you talking about worship? What are you talking about attention? But the thing is, you'll know in your, li- in your life, the most precious thing to you is what you value. Some, someone said it like this. What you prioritize your value. It could be your family. It could be your job. It could be trail running. It could be whatever, partying. But there's something in your life, Jesus put it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he is after people who find treasure in nothing else, nothing more than him. Because when God is in his right place, everything else finds its right order. Thank you. And so in this story, we see this, we see this guy called Samuel. And we, we read about how he begins to hear the voice of God. And it's interesting, it starts, it says, it starts with these three words. It says, now the young boy Samuel. And I was thinking, like, it's quite weird to just drop in the story. Um, I know we're not doing a series or anything. But it's amazing, like, we hear about Samuel who was ministering to the Lord. It was like, he was sleeping in the temple. He was this person who was devoted, like, holy, his whole life was about God. But there's this beautiful backstory to Samuel's life where we read in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of his mom called Hannah. And the word Hannah means favor or grace. And it's, a, it's an amazing little story. If you have time this week, go read it 1 Samuel 1. Because it's, Hannah was the one who was favored and who had grace on her life. But it says in 1 Samuel 1 verse 2 that she had no children. Her husband had two wives. She was the favored one. She had grace. And in that culture, your name is your, your identity. So she was a highly favored woman, but her womb was closed. And it's so interesting because in that culture, I was reading up about it. The, the Hebrew um, scholars say, some of them used to write, it would be better for me, it would be better for a woman to die than to live a life as a barren woman. That's how important it was in that culture to have children. It was a sign of prosperity. It was a sign of favor. Um, they believed that it would, be, it would actually be worse to live without having children to act, just to die. So here was this woman whose name was favor, but she was living under what that culture would have regarded as a curse. And she goes up every year to the temple. And eventually she comes to this point where she's so desperate. She's praying in the temple and she's not making a sound, but her lips are moving. And the priest, Eli, comes to her and says, are you drunk? 
Like how, why would you come into this temple drunk? Like you, you're acting like a crazy person. And she says, no, I'm in such anguish. And I'm in such like sadness and depression of heart. And I'm crying out to the Lord for a child. And he says, he, he said, and, and I'll read it. She says, O Lord of hosts, if you would indeed look on the affliction of your servants and remember me and not forget me, then I will, and you will give me a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And then Eli answers her and says, Go in peace, and the God of Israel will grant your petition. So there's this amazing story of this woman who, in the midst of not seeing the favor of God, she cried out to God, and God heard her cry, and He gave her favor, and He opened the roof, and His boy Samuel was born. And I think it's so important that we, we just recognize that, because for many of us, I just felt like what God is doing in our lives, where God has placed us, we are the result of the prayers and the cries of fathers and mothers of our lives. Some of you are fathers and mothers like Hannah, and you've been crying out for your children, you've been crying out for young people. And I felt today God said He wants to hear your prayer. He wants to hear your prayer and answer you. And she called her son Samuel, because it means heard of God. She said, if you answer my prayer, God, I'll dedicate this boy to you. It's amazing. You know Abraham, the father of our faith? He tried to have a child and it, through other means, and eventually God gave him the promised child. And then God had to take him up a mountain and say, are you willing to lay this all down for me with his son Isaac? Here you get Hannah, who might be even of more radical faith. But she says to God, you haven't even given me a son yet. You haven't even asked me to lay him down. But if you give it to me, I'll lay him down and surrender his life to you. How crazy is that? That's a story of faith that we should talk about. And it's amazing. Her name was favor and grace, yet what she saw in her life was the complete opposite. And sometimes, like Hannah, we can live in a place where God has spoken and declared favor and grace over our lives. And we know it's true, but we can't see it. It's almost like we live in barrenness. But in this place of not seeing what God has declared over her life, she wrestles with God, and from that place, He answers her prayer. Isn't that amazing? And for some of us, we just need to start taking God at His word again. And saying, I know that you've spoken these things over me. I know that it could look like barrenness, but actually, I trust you, Lord. And I know that what you said to me is true. And your word will prevail. Amen. I hope that's helping you. So back to Samuel. That was the history of his life. And it says, he was ministering to the Lord under Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no frequent vision. And it's amazing that phrase where it says Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Because I just thought it ties so beautifully into what Jesse preached last week. And if you were here last week, Jesse just spoke about people who were just surrendered to God. That phrase, ministering to the Lord. Here was a young boy whose whole life and devotion was in service of the Lord. And it says he was doing so under Eli, who was the priest. And further on it says, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his other place. And it's interesting, because Eli was the priest, but it says he couldn't see. And the word Eli 
can be translated lofty or highway. And there's this beautiful, there's this beautiful commentary, this beautiful interplay here, where here comes a young boy, like humble, dedicated to God, who begins to have this encounter to hear the voice of God. Meanwhile, you've got the priest, who's the one who should be hearing God on behalf of other people, and it says he's not able to see anymore. And it's almost like what the writer's doing here is what he's echoing what, what Hannah prayed in her prayer in chapter 2, which says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, as James would translate it. It's almost like he's saying, God is not looking for your position, for your lofty status, for your experience, for anything that would qualify you, but he's looking for you to be a humble servant of him. And I, and I just feel like God just wants to bring us back as a people to a place of humility. Just making sense? It's interesting, it says, The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. And at the same time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see don't you think it's interesting that the very person who was supposed to be seeing what God was supposed to be doing for their nation began to lose the ability to see and at the same time in that nation the vision was rare? When those of us who are called to hear the voice of God and see clearly lose our sight, the world around us becomes a place where the vision of God becomes rare. And I believe that there's been a huge battle over vision and purpose and calling of God over our lives. And God wants to restore that clarity of vision. But often, many of us are walking around asking God for direction. And all He wants is the affection of our hearts. Like we, we're desperate to try and get the, the word of the Lord, or like, God, where do you want me to be? And He says, no, 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 I just want the affection. I just want your surrender first. When we forget whose we are, we forget who we are. And I, and I really feel the Holy Spirit is restoring vision in our lives. Joel chapter 2 says your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions. Isn't it interesting that it says Eli went to go down and lie down in his own place or his usual place. But Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. It's like there'd been this familiarity that had come over Eli. He'd been serving in the house of God all of his life. He just went back and he went to his usual place. And you know what? We can be in church. We can be in like faith. We can live our lives before God. And there can be a familiarity that creeps in in our lives for the presence of God. But here we have a, a young boy named Samuel who made his bed in the temple of the Lord, in the presence of God. And to me, that just speaks about God drawing a people who want to step outside of a place of familiarity, of comfort, of, oh, I've got this all such cool, this is my two hours of church, this is my whatever, but actually, no, God wants us to be a people who dwell in His presence. I made this note in my phone the other day, I wanted to read it. 
is inviting us to a place of encounter that encompasses all of our lives. That we would meet Jesus around the table as powerfully as we would meet him in this hall. That the power of God would be as evident when we pray for someone on a Tuesday morning as it is when we pray for someone here on a Sunday morning. That the passion for his presence and nearness would be as evident at our office desks on a Monday morning as it is each Sunday here as we gather. That transformation not only looks like a prayer moment up front in this hall, but bringing the kingdom in our family, in our businesses, loving our bosses, getting to know our next door neighbors. The world is not searching for a perfect church experience. They are searching for an experience where they encounter the transcendence of Jesus. So, um, I was thinking about this the, the other morning and I was like, I'm late for work. And then I had an absolute catastrophe. I ran out of hair gel. <laughs> My life, had li- <laughs> life was literally falling apart. <laughs> it was like Thursday, Thursday morning. Absolutely, no, Friday morning, absolutely shattered. Jeez. What happens to your hair? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. I can't go to the office without my hair done. You're crazy. Anyway, so I went, I went actually, we live quite close. I went to the pharmacy here and found some dodgy hair products. And I was like, I'm going to be so late. As I walked out the pharmacy, um, there was a lady asking me if I'd been helped, and I was like, I have no rush. And as I walked out, I was like, wow, I really felt like the Lord wants me to speak to her. And I was like, I've got to go do my hair. Anyway, so I went home, showered in my hair, wasn't so amped about the product anyway. Got it done, and then I was driving back down to work, and I was like, I can't, I can't ignore this whisper, I have to go. So I was like, Lord, give me a sign, anything, and I was like, no, I'm just going to do it. So I went back in, and I was like, okay, maybe she won't be there. Like it was like, oh, you know, you know, you know, God was just testing my videos, but I didn't actually have to do it. So I walked in there, and I've like, written a few things on my phone as well, just to like show that it wasn't like me being weird. And I, I said to her, and I just said to her, hey, I came in earlier looking for hair job. And she's like, oh, let me show you the hair job. I said, no, no, no. And then um, I said to her, I just felt like um, I was in this moment where I was out of control this morning because I like, you know, my hair product ended up through me. and. I just felt like God wanted to speak into this, into your life, if there's anything that feels out of control. And I just said, like, I felt like God just says, He, he really sees, sees you. And she was like, Thank you, thank you so much. Oh, blessings to you, light and love. And she was German. And I was, and I was picturing, like, this amazing encounter. Like, God's going God's gonna to speak to her. I'm going to have this testimony for church on Sunday. She's going to come visit. She was like, Have a great day. And then I was like, Okay. <laughs> I started the day like in a crisis, my hair's like falling apart, and now like I step out and it's like, bing, speaking to a brick wall. And um, that is my testimony. <laughs> and I just felt like, you know, um, there's something where we just want to be people where we are used to and comfortable with hearing the whispers of the spirit. Like, no matter if it looks like success or if it looks like failure. Because the Lord wants us to be people who would move towards other people. Because Jesus was always someone who moved towards other people. And it's interesting, you know, um, I find it interesting that Samuel starts to hear the voice of God 
when it says in verse 7 that he did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. I don't know, I won't make a theology about it, but what if people out there are actually hearing the voice of God, and they just need us to start to articulate that what's happening in their lives is God making an advance, taking the first move and saying, I see you, I'm speaking to you. What if this young generation of people that we, we feel are so lost and like have no future and just like identity crisis after identity crisis, what if they already are starting to hear and know the voice of God like Samuel? And we like fathers and mothers need to actually just be there in their lives and that all they want is a father figure and a mother figure saying, this is what God's saying, this is how you respond, this is how you grow up in the ways of the Lord. What if it's about time that we took responsibility for what God wants to do with this young generation? I don't know if about you, but I've been in, in the last few weeks just really sensing in our meetings, like there's been these whispers of God saying, He wants to do something with our children and our young people. And it's time. And eventually he says, Eli eventually catches on that God is speaking to Samuel. He says, go out there and he says, speak, speak Lord, your servant cares. And all it takes when God's speaking to you is just a response to say, God, if you're speaking, I'll listen. And he didn't repeat his name Samuel because like God had a stutter. But he repeated his name because his name literally means heard by God. Like God listens. God hears you. And I feel like God wants to say to many of us, He's heard your cry. He's heard your voice. And He wants to open your ears to what He has to say. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood calling us at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do a thing in Israel that which the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Remember that he says, see. It's like, we hear at the beginning of the story, there'd be no vision. But then he hears in response to the voice of God, and God opens his eyes. And God says, maybe I'm raising you up as the man who's going to walk with the vision that this nation needs. I'm going to do something in this nation at which the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. One encounter with the voice of God can cause the ears of everyone around you to tingle. For too long, our ears have been tingling because of bad news, rumors of wars, rumors, wars, news of wars. It's like the enemy would just love to keep our ears tingling. Okay? It's just like clickbait. It's just like, can you hear? Like, obviously, like we mustn't just put our heads in the sand. We know that we're living in a time of absolute crisis. But it's like, if the enemy can just control, it just makes our ears tingle. It's like, what if the word of the Lord would come and speak to That's what's going to make people's ears tingle. Wow, have you heard? People are starting to get healed. Have you heard about that place in America, Asbury College, where they started a worship service at 10 a.m. on Thursday morning, and it hasn't stopped since? The same place where God poured out His Spirit in February 1970. Have you heard God's doing something? People are walking up and down close to you. People are starting to encounter God. Have you heard? I hope I'm stirring your faith. 
The enemy has tried to capture our ears and our hearts and our vision. But all it takes is like Samuel to respond, speak Lord, so your servant hears. I'm going to stop it there and then do that to this time. Let's just close our eyes for a second. Thank you. 